so I, I do wonder sometimes if Elon Musk has a point that maybe translates over to the health sector. Are there, this is controversial by the way, are there perhaps too many health professionals running the health sector? Hey guys, I've been uh, reflecting today, you know, I was walking earlier today with my five-year-old son and we were having a conversation about Captain Scott who set sail from South Wales and went to explore the South Pole and Antarctica over 110 years ago. And he was asking me some questions and it reminded me of conversations I would have with my parents when we would walk through the campus area of Leeds University. This was back when I was my son's age, so around five. And um, when we were, I remember one of those conversations, my dad especially, but both parents actually, they would tell me there's way too many business schools and there's way too many people um, studying MBAs. And at the time, come on, you're talking to a five-year-old, it doesn't resonate with a five-year-old. I don't know, these days that they know things that I definitely didn't at that age. But you know, fast forward to just the other day, yesterday actually, I was watching a clip of Elon Musk. Um, so let me back up. I watched a, a, an Amazon Prime um, documentary called Elon Musk, um, The Real Iron Man. I think that's what it was called. So definitely must watch. And it covers a lot of the things that I recently was thinking about when it comes to what makes great entrepreneurs or what drives entrepreneurs. And so the, the documentary touches on things like, um, a tough childhood and what we called adverse childhood experiences. And um, perhaps Elon had that when he was uh, young in South Africa. And then, uh, you know, I think it was bullying and, and divorce, I believe, and, and some other things. And then it also touches on, you know, his mindset of how he tackles, identifies problems and tackles them. And it's this engineering mindsets. And I think honestly, anyone with a engineering or a um, health background, like a PhD or a, a doctor, you've got unique skills and you've got that way of seeing problems for what they are and tackling them systematically. I think you'll make great entrepreneurs if, if you also have the resources, right? So that's for another time. But Elon Musk, in, in this comment, he said, there's way too many MBAs running companies, at least in America or North America. And that's probably the same in in the UK and in Europe. And his point was, um, instead of having too many processes and having too many uh, meetings and focus on the financials, why don't we just put more attention into making sure the product or service that we're providing really adds value, right? And this is something I've been saying for the last two months here publicly as part of the Entrepreneur's Doctor, but I've been talking about it before before this as well. And so my focus with, with what I do with the Entrepreneur's Doctor is to help entrepreneurs not only look after their own health and well-being, for, but for those who want to help improve the health and well-being of, of the community or the population around them and, and the world at large, or indeed the environment and tackle things like climate change, I want to help them come up with ideas that really make a difference and add value. And there's ways of doing that. And I'll touch on some of these now. So just make sure you watch to the end of this clip because I want to, you know, offer something completely free of charge. You know, I, I want to add this value to you now that we're approaching 2021 and 
have gone through this pandemic year and many of you are thinking about you know getting into this sector so hear me out and at the end I'll, I'll make this offer really um so i i do wonder sometimes if elon musk has a point that maybe translates over to the health sector are there this is controversial by the way are there perhaps too many health professionals running the health sector you know, I know I'm going to get a lot of sticks for this, but hear me out. It's just, I'm just putting the thought out there and I encourage debate. So feel free to uh, comment and um, engage in, in discussion. So basically, um, if we think about, first of all, doctors on the front lines or nurses, they see things in the healthcare system that obviously uh, are valid. You know, they're real problems at the coalface. And they often know ways clinically or ch changing the processes or the um, kind of tools that they have to their, at their hands, ways that they can tackle the healthcare system issues. That's for most people. But obviously, we know that health is determined by way more than the healthcare system. And there's a statistic out there, and it's a conceptual model that only 10% of our health is determined by the healthcare service. There's way more. And for those of you who know this, you know, it's the homes that we live in, the access to the food and what kind of food and physical activity we were having, what kind of childhood we had and so on. So I won't go into that detail now, but we call those the wider determinants of health. So when it comes to health issues or indeed environmental issues, we have a lot of what we call wicked problems. Things like climate change, things like tackling pandemics, things like cancer and other complex uh, issues that both have multiple kind of um, determinants, but also multiple kinds of impacts on all sorts of things, whether it's the economy, you know, all sorts of things. So I think for those of us, everyone who's gone through the pandemic year, we understand how a simple, supposedly simple virus can impact so much of society. So to tackle these issues, we really need radical thinking. Sure, we carry on and do things incrementally and in a moderated way to make sure that we're gathering evidence to see what works, what doesn't, and we make sure safety is at the heart of everything. Absolutely, I'm not against that. But we need to be bringing other people into the game that think differently, that think out innovatively and think outside of the box and are willing to take mini risks, safe risks, Sometimes if we, if we have the capacity to let them take big risks as long as there's no harm involved, right? So, so basically what I was thinking is we need people from all sorts of sectors, but also people with this entrepreneurial mindset. And that's why I'm creating this material and I'm putting it out there. I want to work with more entrepreneurs out there that have this skill set, this mindset, and can help the health sector with its issues. Now, Backing up, so I'm going to cover 10 steps that I feel like we all need to be thinking about when it comes to at least choosing what it is we want to help with. And the reason for that is I remember, you know, I've been teaching at medical schools, at schools of public health and so on um, in, for, for a number of years. And often when you talk about public health, people start listening to research methods and, and various other things that puts a lot of people to sleep. Believe me, when I was a medical student, I fell asleep when it came to listening to p-values and statistics. It just bored me to death at the time. And so it's funny, you know, once you start talking about innovation and entrepreneurship to that same group, some people's eyes open up. I've seen this in multiple places. It's not just one or two occasions. 
their eyes open up. And as soon as I mention it, those students stand up and come to me after class or reach out to me and they start asking me, what can we do? How can we get involved? What can, you know, it's, 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 it's not hilarious. It's actually promising. And I love seeing this energy and this drive. But then they come and talk to me about how can we actually, you know, what can we do? Where, where can we influence change? So this is where some of these 10 steps fall into play. But then the other side of the 10 steps is, you know, what can we actually um, uh, add value in that makes a difference? And, and the reason I say that is it's not just health professionals. So recently I've been working with a lot of entrepreneurs from non-health backgrounds approaching me with different um, tech solutions, especially with uh, apps that they've developed or um, other kinds of technological solutions. And the challenges that many of them face are that they, they find it hard getting their ideas embedded into the health sector and actually being adopted and taken on. And so I just wanted to kind of cover all of these things in these 10 steps and listen to the end because I want to make a, a, an offer that I hope you'll, you know, you'll enjoy. Um, and take up. So the first thing, when you're thinking about an entrepreneurial activity, just like for, okay, so just in parallel, just like if you're a, a student thinking of a, um, a research topic for your uh, master's project thesis, I've had these conversations endlessly. The first thing you want to ask is why is it that you're doing what you're doing? What's your real goal? What, what are you trying to achieve? For some, it's they've seen a real problem. Maybe they've lived through it and they want to solve that problem. For others, it's they want to have some freedom to be their own boss, if you, if, if you like, or they, um, they want to make money. There's so many different reasons for why people become entrepreneurs. And I don't want to get into that. And I, the goal isn't to change that reason. You've just got to understand what your underlying reasons are, because that's what will um, determine what topic you should be choosing and especially what business model you should be choosing. Because, you know, many uh, know that entrepreneurship is not easy. There's no breaks. You're working not endless hours, seven days a week. It's, it's your baby and you'll always be thinking about it. There's no downtime, really. Um, but there are ways, even for those who want a better work-life balance, there are ways to, to design your startup to be conducive to that. Um, and we'll, we'll touch, touch on those another time. So once you've understood the why, it's the who. Who do you want to really be helping? I mean, who do you care about? And there's various ways you can think about this. So you could, a simple way I, I talk with, uh, you know, clients, students, is take a life course approach. So you could start from babies, you know, babies all the way through to adults and teenagers, even to adults, to uh, the elderly. So you could choose a specific age group that you care about, or perhaps you could care just about women or men or a specific ethnic uh, group or uh, people who live in a certain area, a geographic area. So these kinds of characteristics help you hone in on who you want to help, or it's people perhaps with a specific condition or a health need. Next, you wanna kind of understand what is it that they really need? So in the world of public health, we call these health needs assessments and there's ways of doing these. And, you know, it's getting a good feel of what is it that they need and how do we actually um, measure that? So that's for another discussion, but make sure you understand what they need. And there's a difference between need and the next thing that you need to be assessing is what are they asking for? What are they demanding? What are their demands? So need and demand are two different things. Need is often something that 
can be felt or unfelt and they're not necessarily expressing it. But once they shout for help, once they express their need and ask for some sort of service or product to help meet that need, that's a demand. So you want to understand both of these things. The next thing is get a good feel for what are the different ways that you can be um, tackling these needs and demands. Um, there's, you know, we, we, again, we'll cover these at a later time, but some of it could be looking at, okay, what are the services that are already there being provided for these people? Um, and then what you want to ask is, how are they meeting that need? Are there any gaps? Are some things working better than others? Uh, are some needs not being met perhaps? And I remember actually uh, um, on a flight between the UK and Cyprus, I was reading a magazine. I can't remember what, which airline it was, but um, it was an article by uh, Sir Richard Branson and he was talking about different kinds of innovation and um, how sometimes it's just a case of find out what's already in place and just do it that bit better. And as you know, in you know the difference between something that's excellent and that and doing really well and something that's outstanding and exceeding expectations, really adding value, is actually minimal. It doesn't need to be radical and revolutionary necessarily. But there are also ways of doing radical uh, innovation too. So once you've done that, that's where you come in. Now this is where your why and who you are and your technical skills and various other kinds of competencies come into play. Because um, you want to figure out, okay, these are the gaps that need uh, filling, and these are the ways that we can tackle these um, needs and demands. So how is it that you want to fill that void? How is it that you want to add value and exceed expectations? That's where you come in. And really, I think we can have another conversation about that, but that's, that's worth thinking about. You know, often many think that the easy part um, is generating ideas, but you know, do you want to be shooting blanks? So this step is all about um, making sure that the idea that you come with and create is a living, breathing idea. It's not just a one-off that, oh, I'm gonna go and create this startup with X solution, whatever that may be, and I'm, that's it, I'm gonna launch in. It's gotta be a living and breathing idea that really meets that need and adds value makes a change um, and uh, it's you know it's continuously being monitored so that if there are ways that uh, you know it's not addressing the need or it's not meeting expectations it's not adding value if there's any inefficiencies you can quickly diagnose what's going on and you can modify it or change course altogether so it's a living and breathing idea then step nine is all about um, you know I I often see startups come and they're looking for a, they, they come with a solution, whatever it may be. And, this, and I've said, especially in the digital health sector with apps and various kinds of technologies, they come with a, a solution and they're looking for a problem to solve. Or indeed they've done their research and they found that there's a, that there's a problem, but it's only because they've been maybe talking to a few people or read a few articles and not really lived through the problem. And, and then what happens is they go to the health sector and whoever that may be, and those, the, the sector, whether it's physicians, managers, health professionals, or decision makers mainly, they're not willing to play ball. They're not willing to adopt or even give it a try. There's various reasons for that. But, but one of the ways that we can tackle that is to make sure that, and this is step nine, is to make sure that we 
engage our partners and stakeholders from day one, even in the idea development stage. So some call it co-creation and there's other kinds of terminology, it doesn't matter, but you really want to bring everyone on board and that includes patients, includes people that are gonna use your services, not just those who are gonna pay for your services. And then the last part is, you know, you've, um, you've identified the need or the demand and you wanna provide that certain service or product to address that need. Then it's a question of how you're gonna go about doing it. But the question that you should really be answering is, or asking is not how are we gonna deliver it, but who's going to help me deliver it? You as the founder, and maybe a couple of you as co-founders, you need to create this team. And you may have a certain skill set that you're great at, and so you should be out there doing your thing. But anything you're not good at, delegate. Find people who can do that thing. So it's the who can help you, not how can you do everything. And often we, we want to do everything, right? Um, so, so that's it. Those are the 10 steps. And the final thing that I'll say today is, you know, I've been uh, really passionate about making sure entrepreneurs are uh, adding value, just like what Elon Musk has been saying um, with, with adding value and, you know, not just having the, the typical mindset uh, of MBAs, if, if, um, if you like. So this health innovator workshop that I recently created is something that I believe will make sure adds value to the system, uh, adds value based on what the needs are. And it also does the other thing that's just as important it makes sure that your uh, idea and your business model and your startup idea essentially are fit for purpose, adding value both to the problem that you're trying to solve, but also to your life to make sure that this is a sustainable idea, sustainable business model, and that you're going to be thriving basically and, and enjoying the whole journey and process whilst making a good income on the side. So I'd really like to put this offer out there. I've literally just you know, uh, created this course and it's a workshop. It's 28 days um, where you'll be covering a bunch of theory, applying those skills to your own ideas and it'll be interactive too. So we'll be on the call together. You'll be um, learning from fellow students and from, uh, I'll be learning from you too. And then for those of you who go that step further, you can get involved in a three month mastermind group where you will be um, not only taking the 28 days of workshop and, and understanding the exercises and doing the exercises there, so you're taking the theory, applying the skills, but in the three-month mastermind, you'll be taking all the theory and skills that you've been learning and applying it to your own ideas, and we'll be, you know, you'll be connecting with like-minded entrepreneurs around the world that are also taking the course at the same time, and you can brainstorm, you can uh, touch on, you can ask each other for suggestions and uh, and um, and advice and I'll be in there with you and we'll drop on calls together and do some hot seats and uh, brainstorm uh, issues that you may be having along the way and then for those of you who want to go even a step further um, you can have one-to-one -one calls with me so strategic consulting calls uh, just with me and so I want to put this offer out there because this is new and I want to make sure what I'm providing is meeting your needs and expectations. I'm gonna take a select group of students with me completely free of charge through that whole experience from the 28 day workshop through to the three month uh, interactive mastermind group. 
as well as the one-to-one -one strategic consulting. So if you are interested, come on over to the to my website, which is uh, highlighted there. So entrepreneurs.doctor, click on the free one hour workshop, have a look, make sure you include your details in the um, application form at the bottom of that page, because that's how I will understand you are interested in being part of the founding group and you want to take advantage of this free offer. So I hope you come and uh, join me because 2021 is going to be the year that really uh, we help each other out and tackle these problems uh, going forwards. Okay, so on that note, thank you so much for sticking with me. If you've got any thoughts or suggestions at any time, reach out to me directly. More than happy. I'd appreciate it if you like, subscribe, all that stuff, you know, and comment on, on this YouTube uh, video or if you're listening to this podcast episode. I'd love to uh, help you out even further. So by helping me, I'll be able to continue helping you. Have a great new year, everyone. And uh, um, I, I, re I really truly hope 2021 is gonna be way better than what 2020 has been. Take care.